Ghosts are horny. Spooky. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had mm-hmm. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. Hi and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your host for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. This week brought to you by all of our allergies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Truly. Yeah, I will apologize, everyone. If I sound weird, I'm losing my voice. You better. You better apologize. (laughs) I feel like I just got back from a really fun concert, but instead it was just allergies and work. Working in concert to make you uncomfortable, even. So... For this episode, and with the start of season four, I know we've all talked about how obsessed we are with the raised up fucking palm print on the yes. shoulder. The handprint. But I'm curious, if you guys were raised out of hell by an angel, where would you put the handprint on your body? So instead of having mine on like my ass or something, I want to make you think, but it'd still be inappropriate. So I'm thinking like a handprint, specifically like a right handprint on the back of my right shoulder, like grasping my shoulder. Mm -hmm. So you're like, huh, what a weird place to have a handprint. And then you're like, oh, (laughs) just clicked for me. That's exactly the reaction I want. (laughs) I went through the calculating. It took. <laughs> we, we're all that white lady calculating right now. We're like, <laughs> Jordan, I love yeah. that. Yeah, I just want my handprint to also come with the image of my hair getting pulled out of hell too. Incredible, incredible. We're all imagining. So good for you. Thank you. So Rip to Dean, but Jordan is different. Yes. <laughs> since Allie introduced it what about you Jasper well I'm a big baby and I want to be carried like one <laughs> so you know how like when you're like burping an infant you, there's like sort of in one arm but like upright up against the shoulder I'd have I'd have like a big handprint in the middle of my back and then one like right on my butt cheek mm. you know I need to be cradled <laughs> At all times. (laughs) Allie? I support that. So if I was special enough to be pulled out of hell, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know there's got to be a reason. So I'm going to turn my life around Mm -hmm. and just fully embrace this with going like the hand of Saruman from Lord of the Rings. Oh, straight across the face. face. Love that. Love that for you. I want to be fucking terrifying. Yeah, you're going to be like a freaky... WRPG pro tag, like up in the character creation, you know, shuffling through all the weird things you can put on your face. And one of them's just mm-hmm. like a giant fucking handprint scar. <laughs> That's you. That's you, my dude. That's I me. I really That's like me. that. I love that. <laughs> I think I feel like get, 
a handprint brand on your face oh, on my yeah. face it won't fuck up my eyes at all no i mean you just you avoid the eyes yeah I think it has to touch the eyes you know those little like sunglasses people wear to tan in put those mm-hmm. on beforehand yeah there you go i'm set there we there go. You go perfect <laughs> sun rays blazing hot iron same thing <laughs> Actually, yes. I, I think I read that somewhere earlier today. <laughs> and extra chapstick so your lips don't fuse together from the heat. Mm. Take note, Cass. <laughs> Today's episode is season four, episode two. Are you there, God? It's me, Dean Winchester. The one where Sam forgets the pie. This episode was written by Sarah Gamble and Lou Bolo and directed by Phil Sagricia. It originally aired on September 25th, 2008. Can I just say, like, what the fuck is up with this Fallout Boy ass (laughs) fucking episode title? Like, shut up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's like, you know how annoying that is for me when I'm like typing out like all of the shit on like Podbean or whatever to like upload things in advance of posting. I have to write out this whole sentence like, man, fuck (laughs) y'all. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> I will say, though, um, kind of unrelated, but obviously the title's based off of the book. Are yeah. you there, God? It's me, Margaret. But I just think it's very yeah. strange that we're doing this now since a movie of that book just got announced for this year. Really? Ooh. Just strange timing. The I think was it worse? The synchronicities. Yes, I was just about to say that. And yes. so many synchronicities at work today with dates. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, it was weird. Aliens are coming. They are. Oh, please no. They are. They're they're going to be here, Allie. And then you'll all see. You better go on board Team Alien. No, no. Um, anyway, I love this title. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally see Dean having been like this. Was, this book was a huge like pop culture thing. Yeah. He would have totally like hidden the book away from Sam. So he wouldn't get made fun of, but still obsessively read it. Yeah, no, like Dean, my guy is like picking up secondhand books at the thrift mm-hmm. store and like taking books from the library that are very popular and shit like that. So like when things blow up, that's what he's going to have the best access to. And I love it for him. I love it for him too. You enjoy your little, your little beach reads, Dean. So this, so this intro- cold open. <laughs> I I love this cold open I know that it kind of falls into some you know annoying tropes Uh, I've said this before there's nothing wrong with tropes tropes are you know they make things recognizable and it makes things quick for the audience but you know the the woman being vulnerable because she's walking around in her underwear I've seen that enough times I'm sick of it, but I do like it when on top of that, she has a shotgun, mm-hmm. you know, I'm only so strong, but I actually, I, I really like this cold open. I think it's um, really efficient mm-hmm. because it chops out what would have had to be like a ton of annoying expositional content. or just like explaining what the monster is bull crap. Just by having that voicemail inbox in the background with Bobby being like, yes, this is the character's name. This is what's going on. Like all this stuff. Very cool. Very smart. I really liked it. I just have a feeling this is going to be the season of the Hunters. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought this was kind of a fun start to that. Totally. So fun. Um, And even though, like, I do like that classic gore. Like, I'm not a gore person, but when they do real effects, like, this was really effective. Um, Also, yeah, we have so many women in their underwear, but, like, I love that Supernatural loves a cute boy short moment. Like... (laughs) (laughs) Right? Is it Supernatural, though, or 2008 that loves a cute boy short moment? That I was either a way. short moment, 2008. They were like the thing back then. We should bring those back. That implies we've left them behind. I have not. I'm in my granny panty era. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm like really, really into like the super high leg, but not like a thong. Just, just like super high leg bikinis. So like up above the butt crack going on in terms of ass coverage a 90s moment um so people who listen at us with your underwear preferences your preferred cut and fit (laughs) i feel like i need like some underwear that says like vulnerable woman moment or something Mm. on it i don't know how to make that into like a thing i just want like an article of clothing that represents that trope without being too on the nose Okay, we're getting really off the rails here. Sorry, I'm just like underwear though. Um, yes, the practical effects in this episode, very good. We don't really see a lot of them in the cold open, but mm-hmm. just since we're already on it, I fucking love them. I love when we see the hunter's bodies later. It's mm-hmm. so fun, especially the one guy. Was the one that Dean called? I think his name was like Jed or something. That motherfucker on his yeah. kitchen floor. Goddamn, that was like some shit from the thing or like Alien. I loved it. I was like, yes, look at all that crap hanging out of there. Yeah, when they find, I think her name's Olivia. Not to jump ahead too much, but when they find her body later, it looks really cool. Oh yeah, it totally does. It totally does. I just love it. Like, you don't need all kinds of stupid CGI bullcrap for that. Like, just put a pile of fake blood and guts on there. It's it's great. That's the stuff. So because of the way the cold open functions, where it's an isolated scene connected to them by voicemail, we're actually, we're able to, like, completely jarringly, like, change the scene just entirely. And I really like that we just sort of dive into it in terms of like the conversation and context here, like there's no like building up to it at all. They're just like straight up arguing about angels immediately. (laughs) And we're just tossed into the conversation. I like that Dean's like, uh, it can't be angels. We have uh, no research on those. And then Bobby's like, oh, we have a ton of research on those. Uh, Dina. (laughs) He's like, we've got them in fucking cuneiform, Dean. Yeah. <laughs> no, like the whole thing is so funny to me. I thought, like, also kind of a bummer. Like, poor Dean is just like determined that angels should not be real. Like, he is like illogically, irrationally deciding that that nope, that's fake. And he's he's normally pretty realistic and pragmatic. I think. No, totally. This is also where he sends Sam out to get the pie. You had one job, Sam. One job, Sam. I do want to say I love Sam in in this episode and in this scene and in the ending scene as as well, um, like particularly because he's just so like, he's like 
being very realistic, but he's also like kind of excited. Like he seems like he's like vibrating a little bit, but like also at the same time, he's just kind of like, well, whatever. <laughs> like, like he's just very willing to accept all this stuff. Um, yeah. I love, he has the line at this point, it's less about faith and more about proof. And I'm like, yeah. And that shit makes me insane because <laughs> of like fucking houses of the holy, you know? Mm-hmm. And like the whole thing going on with that episode was Dean being like, well, I haven't seen an angel. So why the fuck would I believe in an angel? And here he's literally seen an angel and he's like, la 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 la. <laughs> <Don't> exist. <laughs> really like how sam's kind of bumbling but not in a like not in a useless way but he's kind of like yeah angels why is that oh never mind pie (laughs) yeah i mean i think sam is busy with his own bullshit right now like i think he's just i honestly think he's just distracted the um thing that kind of got me is i'm like they really got back into the groove of dean being back there's little moments that and like throughout the last episode in this episode that you can kind of pick up on like Sam constantly driving Dean's car mm-hmm. and um, Dean being like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like knocking him into the passenger seat and stuff. But I'm like, something about it, I will say feels a little inorganic to me, like that they're just like suddenly back in this routine. But I, I don't was... know. It's not like a bad thing. It's just... I, I don't know. I kind of disagree. Yeah, I think the opposite, because to me, like, those little moments are not to put us out of the usual. So it's like they're trying to get back into the routine, and some things are so easy, like the dynamics, um, but it's those, like, little habits that stick. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think, like, especially given the fact that we know, like, Dean character thesis, he's a liar, and he's already clearly lying about like hell memories and that effect that that's had on him. And, you know, pretending like he's fine is, is something that's already going on, like really hardcore. So I actually think it's very important that they're jumping directly back into a quote unquote normal routine, because I think he wants to pretend like things are normal. And I think Sam has, he has motivation to pretend like things are normal too, because he's keeping all kinds of, you know, uh, uncomfortable information from Dean about his shit with Ruby and like everything else. Yeah. So I actually, I really like it. It feels tense to me. It feels purposeful. Yeah. I've been saying that a lot lately, but I think it just feels like a lot more intentional. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Jordan. No, no, you're, you know, don't be sorry. It's fine for Jordan to be wrong sometimes <laughs> about this kind of thing, since Jordan predicts things correctly so often. We've got to balance the scales a little bit. Truly. And we are at a fucking loss. Like, Jordan <laughs> is up so far. Every time you open your mouth, I'm just like, well, show's over. Um <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, what did you think about this conversation right after that when they ha- the one they have with Bobby about like why would God give a crap about me? Like that whole thing. I like it. I like that we're kind of taking this conversation that Dean had with Castiel mm-hmm. that kind of ended with like a question. Mm-hmm. Like you really don't think you deserve to be saved. And like here we're fleshing it out more. 
I really like it. I like that it's a kind of theme and I kind of hope that it's eventually a question we get answered. Even if Dean doesn't say like, yes, I feel like I deserve to get, you know, saved from hell. Even if we can eventually just like feel that he knows that answer, whether it's yes or no. Mm-hmm. Very, very much looking forward to that moment when things click for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something I really like about it is that it's not just his own sense of or his lack of a sense of self-worth here that like factors into it although that obviously factors into it there's like you can tell he has a a deep like resentment for the unfairness of the world um not just for like the unfairness of his life even like that's like a blip it's everyone else like the comparison between like why me? I'm just some fucking guy. And then like, what about literally anybody else? When like, you know, most people are just some fucking guy. I I just love that imbalance there. And I think, you know, while this episode is a little heavy handed with that occasionally um, in this scene, I think it's really great. And he's just so genuinely baffled. <laughs> I love it. Also the fact that he hates his birthday. So true, King. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he's like, I don't like people paying attention to me at my birthday. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) I just need to hug him. Right after this, we sort of transition into Sam's little snack run after Dean has reluctantly agreed that they have no other leads. So yes, he will fucking research angels right now. And while he is on a snack run, Sam meets up with Ruby. Yeah. I really like the scene. I will say um, props to the actress. Like she felt like Ruby immediately. Yeah. And I think this is a really good idea. This is kind of something the show has been missing that like we've talked about before. Like, oh, like we have these resources that aren't getting used like the roadhouse. Like Mm -hmm. Sam literally has Ruby. So like, of course he's going to go talk to her and be like, what's the fucking deal with angels? Right, right. Exactly. And then because we don't know what Castiel's deal is yet either, like, I think this is a really good way of building up Castiel's a character too of that mystery. Right. Ruby mentions their smite first talk later. And I really love that. Uh, I love that bit because it gives us the impression that angels are ruthless, which is really not like a defining quality of, of most of the monsters that we've encountered in the series so far. Most of them are like very animal or they're very evil, but like cold ruthlessness really isn't, yeah, it's it's not a common quality of their enemies and antagonists. So it feels very sinister and I love it. Yeah, especially to scare someone like Ruby. Very good. Right. Yeah, totally. Hurley Cole attitude of like, <laughs> okay, peace out. <laughs> is like very her. I just, I just love it. I don't know. Also, just brief aside, she's so pretty. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? She's so pretty. She's so pretty. I have like a tear in my eye thinking about it. Like her hair is so, and she's got those huge eyes and I'm just like, oh my God. Also, I love her tiny little hint of a lisp. It's adorable. I'm going to yeah. die. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm coming around. I'm a fan. I'm excited to see what this Ruby brings to the season. You know who she kind of looks like? Hmm. Very weird. The actress who would play Dean's uh, fake wife in season three or two. Oh, shit. 
Yeah. And what is and what never should be. Yeah. The gin dream episode. Yeah. A little bit. She also a little bit resembles uh, Lisa Braden. Just a little. Yeah. A little bit. They do love their doll-eyed brunettes in this show, don't they? Yes. As they should. As honestly taste. And of course, like, if you see her waiting around the corner for you, of course you're going to forget the pie. Right? I forget my fucking name. I'd be like, man, she's talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) Who am I? (laughs) I just really like girls, okay? They're so pretty. (laughs) To move along. Sorry. I'm so... See, this is what I mean. I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about anymore. I'm so distracted. This episode is so snappy. Like, because of that voicemail in the cold open, Sam can come back from the snack run, and then we can immediately go, oh, well, we're checking up on Olivia now. True. We need, like, no explanation. Mm -hmm. They're just like, let's fucking go. It's great. Oh, it's so great. And, like, I love those, like, really smart strategic little shortcuts in television like we don't need like a whole five minutes explaining the who's who of like hunters or whatever like it's enough to know that bobby knows this person from like just from that cold open and that he has like a like a phone tree or whatever going on apparently it's so good. And like coupling that with the use of montage a little bit um, in the next scene and the way they utilize cell phones um, mm-hmm. to join scenes together is just so I like fucking good. No one seems to trust hunters and no one wants to work with other hunters, but every hunter trusts and knows Bobby. Yeah. Yes. He's their dad. Yeah. He's just like the hunter dad. None of us deserve Bobby, but he's there for us all. It reminds me of a uh, Bobby reminds me of like a, a drag house and like he's the drag mother oh my and all the hunters are little drag lanes. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Who's writing that AU? <laughs> oh my god. Drag oh, yeah. mother Bobby. He'd be good at it. I have to see it. I need it immediately. So I think that's when um, they actually see Olivia ripped apart. And also, I guess she had called, she had been calling about angels in specific, like earlier. That's what her and Bobby were talking about over the phone. Yeah. So fun red herring. Yeah, I really like in this episode, like we were talking about how it all flows and like all of them have reasons to be separating and going into these different like paths and spaces and it kind of weaves itself back together. Right. Absolutely. And it's so well paced. You get through the first half of this episode so, so quickly. After finding Olivia, the boys split up to find other hunters that have also been killed. And I'm like, how many fucking hunters are in this goddamn world? It's just like the thing to do now. Remember, there was no way it was just three fucking guys. Yeah. Yeah. And yet they still haven't given us our cockney hunter. (laughs) That'll be you, Allie. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely have UK friends on Supernatural Twitter who have opinions about this. And I I need to hear about these opinions again. I, I feel like there was like a conversation about it that I saw on the timeline like last week or something. I should have bookmarked it. Oh my God, can I just talk about how fun it would be if the boys took a vacation to like Ireland and like had to fight like the bog witch or something like some real like other countries folklore. Yeah, like they have to deal with a banshee. Do a little DLC adventure. Mm -hmm. See, this is this is what fanfic is all about, Jordan. Yeah, there's definitely some interesting things people have come up with. 
But yes, all these hunters are dead or whatever, and they use montage and cell phones to get through that real quickly. And then the boys have their first encounter with these spooky hunter killer ghosts. Sam's having a shit. I thought it was a really interesting choice to have the brothers be confronted by the other brothers, exit significant others. I actually really love that. I think it's so great because like Henriksen and Dean's dynamic is pretty played out. Like would I have loved to see more of it? Absolutely. Especially since like it changed right before it ended. But Henriksen and Sam never had any major scenes together. So, like, it's so fun to have it here and to be like, yeah, Henriksen blames Sam specifically because of Lilith. And I was like, wow, I actually kind of forgot about that being like the topic of the conversation until rewatching this the other day. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. And like the same, I think, for Dean and Meg later, although they had a little more interacting um, than Sam and Henriksen. But still, it's nice to see like that sort of flip side and how they deal with these antagonists separately. Yeah, no, absolutely. I will say I don't know much about the choice of Henriksen as a spirit because mm-hmm. like these ghosts are um, not in their right mind. Like they're obviously magically made more aggressive, but like in no way was Henriksen's death the boy's fault. Like mm-hmm. they were physically detained and thrown into a cell where they got attacked. Where Meg, you could say it was a little bit more you know? Right. I think it was less about it being their fault and more about just like, you know, they're just the people that they just didn't save. Like, even if it's not rational or logical, you know? The only reason I ask is because it kind of makes me wonder if they actually wanted um, Sterling K. Brown for Hendrickson's Mm -hmm. role and weren't able to get him or weren't able to write it in because I was like, Hendrickson himself did not have a lot of interesting dialogue with Sam Mm -hmm. in this episode. Could you imagine if he turned around and saw Gordon in that mirror? I would have been so much more impactful. Yeah, you know, I hadn't thought of that. I stand by, I like Henriksen and Sam, though. Like, the the bit about, like, Lilith was there for you, and we got caught up in it. I I like that. I like it. And I also like Sam's sort of puppyish, like, oh my god, you're alive, (laughs) like, at first. Like, he's so like optimistic nope sammy wrong but yeah i mean truly anyway the the actual horror of that scene was the bathroom (laughs) itself so for real like what the fuck was going on in there like i've been in some nasty ass bathrooms but that one was really (laughs) bad it was like the walls were like tan and brown with dirt and like the all the rust and hard water stains but the thing that really gets me is the fucking lockers Next to the urinals. (laughs) Why? Why? For why? Why was it like that? I don't know. So I was I was glad when they got out of there because I didn't want to look at that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Drinking game for the last half of this episode. Mm -hmm. Drink every time someone yells, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to die. 
Yeah, if you want, if you would like to no longer be alive um, due to alcohol poisoning, drink every time someone yells Bobby because it's a lot, my friends. It is a lot. I don't mind. I love it every time. I like it too. I think it's just so like, it feels so over the top, especially when, because like Jensen affects a more gravelly voice for Dean Mm -hmm. starting in season four. But then when on top of that, they're doing like whispery And on top of that, he's like trying to get somebody's attention. It just sounds so funny when he's like, Bobby, (laughs) like, are you okay? (laughs) Do you need a throat lozenge, sir? (laughs) Oh my God. When we do get to the next scene, I was like, what is up with Meg's styling? Why does she look like an extra from Charmed? Oh my fucking God. (laughs) That's so funny. You're not wrong. Especially when they have her in front of, like, the stained glass windows. I'm like, I literally feel like I'm watching fucking Charmed. Wasn't Misha in an episode of Charmed? I have no clue. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, that's the other thing about this episode. We see the second floor of Bobby's house. That doesn't happen almost ever. When we did, I was like, is this allowed? Like, it feels like it's, like, fucking roped off or something. Right. Also, it's fucking huge. What's he got like five rooms up there? Like, what the fuck? Like, there's so many doors closed. And like, yeah, the big stained glass windows. Like, what is going on? Bobby. (laughs) Is Bobby living a secret double life? How does he afford this? You know, who's to say? Maybe he's like a fucking Dracula and just has like vampire wealth or something. I don't know, dude. I hope so. Okay, listen, though, I I love so many things about this episode, but I could not stand Bobby's like creepy, spooky little twin girls ghosts like the child actors were really good. I thought their rhythm together with the dialogue and how they sort of echo each other and stuff like the delivery was good. But I just hate it. I feel like that's some that's a spooky ghost thing that's been worn into the fucking ground. I'm just sick of it. Yeah, I was just like, I get it, writers. You like Kubrick. Yeah. uh, We get it. We've all seen The Shining, okay? (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Not to be like a downer, but like, yeah. So like this whole time when they're running around, like whenever they showed Bobby, I was like, oh boy, it's Bobby. And then they were like spooky girls. And I was like, no. (laughs) I just found it really uncompelling. And yeah. also, like, I'm glad those creepy children died. You know, it's not like I thought that it would be necessary for them to be like, I don't think they needed to have another, like, super character related ghost or something, you know, because, like, they already have Ronnie and they have Henriksen and they have Meg going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but even if it was just one spooky child, mm-hmm. There's so much emotional weight of the others. And this one just feels like, like I get they have to put in a lot of lines to make it feel somewhat emotional, but it just like comes out of left field. Yeah. I feel like there's something going on there with maybe like Bobby's paternal nature and because they're sibling ghosts and, Mm. you know, it's an episode that, I I mean, to me, I feel like there's an emphasis on on the unit of two. And I don't know how much you're going to get into the book of Revelation but like the witnesses and revelations it's like two of them and like pairs of people are kind of like significant so like dean and sam being a sibling unit feels related to all of it 
but anyway, my point is, <laughs> my point is that um, it, it sort of feels like they're trying to sneakily do a Bobby is worried that he hasn't done or isn't able to do enough to protect Sam and Dean. But I feel like they really could have pulled that off with just one kid ghost. I don't think they needed to do spooky twins dressed up in matching outfits mm-hmm. with the with the ball. Come on. <laughs> Again, I've seen The Shining. <laughs> yeah. This episode just thought it was really cheeky. Lots of references going on. Did you notice yeah, the, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly? I missed that one. What was it? If you're going to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's way further ahead. I found Ghost Meg a little more compelling. I do think her monologue went on a little too long, though. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't need to hear about your sister, like, killing herself or you going to college. Like, you suffering, that was enough. Like, right. Keep it snappy, girl. We right. only have so long. We got 45 minutes. We got to get through this. We got to go. We got to go. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, it's very clear that they were trying to, like, smack Dean with some sibling trauma to feel guilty about, like, you know, what's going to happen to Sam when you're not around? What did happen to Sam when you weren't around? Is there something wrong with my brother? Like, (laughs) all that shit. And I'm like, girl, we get it. (laughs) Miss Gamble. (laughs) When they shot the chandelier at her, I was like, thank God. I know. I was like, girl, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she looked cute though she did look cute she's, she looked a mess adorable. but she looked cute uh-huh. i'm glad she doesn't look like a whore anymore a whore. a whore when they were like a whore i was like meg, meg? <laughs> she's so covered up and she had like a little pixie cut well everyone knows that only whores chop off their long beautiful feminine hair jordan true how dare they cut across gender roles and rules? Yeah, there's like two kinds of whores in this show, which is like <laughs> women with short hair and then like big bazunga ladies who work at bars in Cleveland for some reason. No, like genuinely the only change in her costume is like that she got rid of the leather jacket. Like, Yeah, it's like the same shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did like, though, that it was basically just, like, a reason to explain away, like, the actress's hair. They were like, we're not going to make you fucking cut your hair off for this. She's using that Olaplex in heaven. Oh, my fucking God, Jordan. And, like, everyone knows pixie cut wigs look like shit, so. True. We won't put our girl in a little pussycat wig. (laughs) They should have just put her in one of Bella's wigs. Just, like, the blue one. Shut up. Oh, my God. You go find the black Bob dumpster wig. <laughs> the fucking dark Betty wig. Oh my God, dark Betty. <laughs> oh my, I forgot about that wig. I think about dark Betty so much. <laughs> that might explain a lot. Shut up. I hope Dean pulls a dark Betty later. He's just like sitting in a uh, bar with Sam and Sam's karaoke and then runs off crying. And then Dean <laughs> walks all sexily up with his black wig to take over <laughs> his, his karaoke His black song. bob wig. And he's wearing a big bazunga bra. Yeah. <laughs> just like Betty. And then like waterboards someone in the hot tub. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> I love that show. The writers are having a blast and you can tell. True. Okay. 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 (laughs) 
do we want to let's let's talk about the actual conversation that Dean and Meg have or the shit that Meg says at Dean and Dean's reactions. I feel like this was hitting us over the head with a older sibling comparison yet again. Yeah, I agree. There were a couple of beats that I liked from it. I didn't really write down a lot of quotes from her, you know, monologuing because I didn't think any of the dialogue in particular was that like memorable in terms of like word choice or anything. But I did like that it reinforces the idea that like helping people doesn't necessarily absolve Dean or make him worthy in his eyes, you know, because dealing with Meg was in the name of helping people. But, you know, also it obviously fucked up actual human being Meg and not the demon one. And I think it's interesting, you know, given Sam's reactions to some of these ghosts, seeing how much more like emotional Dean is in contrast about it. Like he seems honestly very contrite for most of this sequence, I think. But it does, (laughs) it does kind of fuck me up that like, if you think back to the episode where they were like exercising Meg, like they, even after they learned that there was a person in there, they weren't like that concerned about it. They were like, well, we got to do what we got to do. No, for real. Yeah, like it was a whole, like, you know, that whole bit was about moral ambiguity and like doing the wrong thing for a right reason. And so also, 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 and this really makes me mad. And I guess not really mad, but like, I just hate John Winchester. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she has the line, you think you're some kind of hero. And Dean's like, no, I don't. And the first thing I thought, okay, my fucked up brain is like thinking about the Christmas special. And in the flashbacks, he's telling Sam, our our dad's a hero and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, but they do the same work. And like, based on everything we know as an audience, they might and probably do actually do it better. So I'm just rolling around screaming like, <laughs> like well, the Christmas episode even tells us kind of that they do it better when Sam in the end decides to give his necklace to Dean instead of his dad. Right, exactly. Exactly, Jordan. So that little bit does make me feel things, despite the fact that I wanted Meg to shut up really bad. <laughs> I liked her. I liked Meg in this episode. I just wish she was a little more snappy. She kind of yeah, yeah. dragged on a little. You got to be more succinct than that. Come on, Meg. I am so curious, Jordan, what you thought about the like bunker. Okay. So the panic room. The panic room is different. It is different. This is like mini bunker. It's a panic room. Yeah. (laughs) So here's my thing with the panic room. With Bobby, I'm willing to hand wave it, but I'm like, he's a little bit too much of a utility belt of a character sometimes. Like, I'm like, you just happen to have this big ass bunker for literally no reason. Panic room. Panic room. Allie. <laughs> <laughs> I really like it because what we need instead of a John Winchester prequel, we need truly a Bobby upbringing because I could see it. Like, I bet Bobby's life has been fucking wild. Yeah, because obviously he never sleeps. He's always doing shit because he has like the catch-all to everything in the series. Like, <laughs> when does he like rest? Never. I think he doesn't. Like, I isn't yeah. that like canonically a thing that none yeah. of them really sleep? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's that going on, but like he also 
I don't think he leaves his property very much. Like he's more of the stay at home and like, you know, connect people and do the research and the magic stuff and whatever kind of guy. So like, I think despite the fact that he's definitely a utility belt character, I think it still works. Like, I don't think it feels like too much at any point because he's just, he's just Bobby. I don't know. I don't know. He's kind of, he's like Giles, you know? Even when they started being like in in later seasons of Buffy, close your ears, Allie. Even in later seasons of Buffy, when they started being like, oh yeah, Giles's shady brawling and warlocking past where he was a badass punchy guy who also did magic with demons. I was like, you know what? I fucking believe that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get it. It's like, you know, it's the same vibe. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not mad at it. I'm just like watching it intently. Yeah. Very curious to see. Well, and I know we don't always agree, but I think you'll find that it really never gets too wild. And Bobby's such a projects guy. Like we know he had that like weird ass like barn. Like he just prepares. Yeah, he's a prepper. Mm-hmm. He's a supernatural prepper. But like the cool kind, I don't think there's a real life cool kind. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I like how neat his little pentagram thing is in the floor. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The like pentagram, like ventilation thing is like incredible. And like the whole room being a devil's trap and like everything. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I think this is when they identify the sigil on like the witnesses. Yeah, they they do that just a little bit before and then they stomp down to the panic room and start doing some research about it. Yeah, I think, Allie, you had some lore to share with us about this. Yes, yes, yes. This is going to be a little longer than usual for lore because the last few have been a little sparse and there's a fair amount to talk about, but it won't be terribly long. I had no idea about the Mark of Witness. Did you guys know about this? I was vaguely familiar with the two witnesses in Revelation, Mm -hmm. like the two anointed and they're like the thing with the olive trees or whatever. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, (laughs) I think... Growing up Catholic, we didn't talk so much about the apocalypse. I don't know funny, why. That's all my church was. That's so funny. Catholics just talk about the Virgin Mary, dude. I swear to God. Weird. We really like, we really like Mary. But um, yeah, Jasper's exactly right. So it's a little bit confusing because it's a metaphor. And it's either two people, two groups, or two concepts. So interpreting it gets a little bit looser. But in general, there are either two olive trees or two lampposts. And these are right before the second coming of Jesus, which brings the apocalypse as well. So if we're thinking about apocalypse in this episode, like it works really well. And God says that he grants two witnesses authority to prophecy for 1,260 days specifically while wearing sackcloth. So it would be interesting to get very important. Lots of requirements about garments in the Bible going on. Yeah. Can you imagine like Hendrix shows up in just like a potato sack? Oh yeah. I can and do imagine this. (laughs) 
But if you approach the two trees or lampposts with like ill will, like you're trying to hurt them, fire pours out of their mouths and kills their foes. Just like a flamethrower as a mouth. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it's pretty metal. And they have special powers as well. They may shut the skies in case it rains on them when they're prophesizing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They can turn water to blood mm-hmm. and cause plague whenever they feel like it. Yeah, just, you know, for funsies. Casually. But then it sucks to be them because after the prophecy and after this period ends, beasts come up from a pit and kill them. They Mm -hmm. are resurrected three days later and they hear a voice from heaven saying, come up here and they ascend. I really like how much this relates to Dean. Mm -hmm. I think definitely some similar vibes going on, at least with the resurrection, the um, hearing a voice from heaven and ascension. Mm -hmm. I also think it's interesting because we only see two marks. We only see on Henriksen and Meg. Oh, that's true. They don't show it on Ron, do they? No. Or the twins. And even if you were like categorizing them, I think the number four, especially since it could be like two groups of people, it yeah. works really well. Yeah. Isn't there, there all, there's also like a pair of uh, false prophets and that's the beast and the whatever. Yeah. So this could be it too. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Sorry. I, I wasn't sure what all you were going to read up on. So I was a little lax in my reviewing of revelations myself. So I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> or whatever, like, <laughs> no, that's totally fine because I have not. <laughs> yeah. It's something I don't know as much about for sure. But with these marks of witness and the kind of prelude to the apocalypse, we have two other things I want to run through real quick. I want to run through seals, just the idea of the seal since we're first introduced. And then I also just want to talk about Lilith because while we got her in season three, it, we really actually get like more contextualized her now. So I want to set that up. So with these seals, they are literally seals on a scroll in the Bible. Okay, like more of a seal as in like a sigil or symbol kind of thing. Yeah, they're literally meant to be like wax seals. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Which I never knew. It's said that only God can open them and that like each time a seal is opened, it releases a judgment. Once all the seven seals are broken, that's when we have Jesus's second coming and the apocalypse starts. So Supernatural gets that like pretty spot on, um, except minus there isn't Jesus in this, which I think we can all say we're lucky for. (laughs) The first four seals are the horsemen. The fifth seal is the martyred who are waiting for judgment in white cloaks. And they're told to just like chill out for another few minutes. Mm -hmm. Of course. The sixth seal. Just hang around. Just like hang out. Um, sixth seal is natural disaster. So earthquake, sun blackened, moon, blood red, mountains and islands disappearing. Just chaos. Mm-hmm. Your classics. And then seven is silence. Ooh, yeah, that's eerie. Really fucking eerie. And it alludes to the seventh day of creation and the Sabbath. Oh, duh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I had never put the seven seals together with that. I had just not thought it through. That makes sense. 
Yeah. And I like how supernatural I'm so glad they changed it from seven seals. Like imagine if they were just like, yeah, they only have to do seven things and then like Lucifer's here. That would be pretty wild. (laughs) That would be like a five episode season. I mean, I guess we shall discuss later. Uh, I don't don't want to get ahead of ourselves and start talking whole entire season four content before Jordan has seen even half of it. (laughs) Jordan's seen two episodes. (laughs) Let's ruin it. Hell yeah. (laughs) Jordan's like, spoilers, I don't give a shit. (laughs) My predictions are as we get real accurate. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to go over a little background on Lilith because we've seen her. We know people are scared of her. We don't know much else, but obviously she comes into play more this season. The origin of Lilith, um, there were male and female demons, Lilu and Lilitu, in that epic of Gilgamesh, which is the oldest written story we have. Also kind of gay. <laughs> much like Dean and Cass. I thought you meant the demons for a second. Oh no, the, the tale of Gilgamesh. Yeah, just True. Gilgamesh really- first off. But yeah, also Dean. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Demons with L names uh, tried to strike people when they were at their most vulnerable. Um, Laura Lieber, which I love that she is also an L name person. She's a religious studies professor at Duke University, says it's to justify how we're helpless and scared. And so that's why like people wrote about these demons preying on the most vulnerable Also, when humans were made in the Bible, there are a few different accounts. One says he made man and woman at once. The unnamed woman is attributed to Lilith a lot of the time. But again, it really depends which version you're looking at. (laughs) Some of it says that the reason Lilith was evil was she got in a fight over if Lilith should be on the bottom or top of Adam when they have sex. Genuinely, that was the origin. Classics. Yeah. And he said he should be on top because he's a man. And she said, we were made at the same time, bitch. Lilith was like, well, then why did we spend so much money on this strap for? (laughs) (laughs) And she says the word God and is spited because of that. She, therefore, is plagued by three angels that God sends after her. And she, like, goes and hides in a cave. And each day, a hundred kids are killed because she won't come out. Damn. A lot of it is about sex and children and like- Yeah, I was going to say like like, the cave thing, the hiding in the cave and the children, that sounds like some old timey, hey, when you're menstruating, get out of (laughs) here. Truly. And she's like seen as like the mother of demons of like incubi and succubi that were either sired with Adam or Samuel. It said she like cheated on Adam to say they're not like God's children. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah. And it became a feminist tale because of like how she rebelled from the structure she was put in. And so lately it's become a lot more feminist and positive. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because it it is in different religious texts. She's not in the Torah itself, but is in the uh, Mistrashic texts, which Uh are like accompanying religious texts. Uh Uh-huh. Also, the priestly account describes God creating an androgynous creature um, called androgyne, which is like two humans combined and then split. Interesting. Yeah. And so that's also part of the idea of like finding your love. Uh Uh-huh. And you can counteract her with amulets with the names of angels. Oh, look at that. 
which I thought was interesting since we get our first angel and one that is very personal to Dean. Yeah. And given that Lilith is the one that had his demon deal contract mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Huh. 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 I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So as we get more info on these things, we'll go into a little more specifics. I just thought this was a good early in the season overview. Yeah. Thank you, Allie. Of course. Thanks for listening. I, I'm always so happy to listen to you. Nothing makes me happier. <laughs> uh, brain rot. But obviously I know how some of the last season of the show goes. Now that I've seen that Castiel and Dean's origin is Castiel pulled him out of Pal, and that Dean never got to do the same for Castiel when he was in Turbo Hell. Oh my God, right? That is the brain rot, Jordan. That would have been the ultimate parallel. And they just were like, no, we're not doing that. Can can you fucking believe that? They had like, they, doesn't that make you crazy? (laughs) Yeah, it's very disappointing. Well, congrats. You're one of us now. (laughs) 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 Or perhaps I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So to get back to the episode, mm-hmm. might be an unpopular opinion. Can I just say, I found this episode a little uncompelling here until the amazing ending. It was not like, for me. The like fight sequence and stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that, Jordan. Okay. So pretty much they decide to leave the panic room because they need like an open fire to like be able to cast a spell. Mm-hmm. So they get like a hex box and some ingredients and Sam's going to like do his little magic, which they always have Sam do the magic, which I find very interesting. No, no, no. It was Bobby. Oh, it was Bobby. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking. I did really like, though, that Sam does get confronted by Meg, who's immediately mad and judging him for working with Ruby. Yeah. So it does kind of show a little bit here. Meg is like, how, like, dare you trust a demon? I'm kind of curious where that's going to lead. Yeah. She's, like, heavily implying that they're getting up to no good. Like, she's not, like, saying what they're doing exactly. It's possible she's just referring to the like demon powers that he's using like just that or maybe something else but yeah she's very like oh you fucking hypocrite fuck you just salt blaster in the face so yeah and see that's kind of what i was talking about earlier with like the difference in their attitudes uh sam and dean's this episode like sam is very practical he's not fucking around with this shit meanwhile dean is letting himself get like very emotional about like his regrets and stuff i just i think it's just such good character shit i love it one thing though is that now they kind of have dean confronted by henriksen and like this part i'm like this is a little weird so we saw how Henriksen and Nancy died. They literally got white blasted by the spell or the ability, the Dragon right. Ball Z move that Sam's immune to. <laughs> right. And then they're like, oh, Nancy got flayed alive before she died. And I'm like, no, she fucking didn't. You fucking liar. Um, we saw that we were there, Henriksen. She got exploded. <laughs> but I don't but know. What is that one song? Why you fucking lying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. 
Yeah, no, that actually is one of the things that I really actually just dislike outright in this episode, because like that wasn't that many episodes ago that you can retcon it that hard. Yeah. But I do love this scene because everyone always refers to Henriksen as Henriksen and Dean sees him in the kitchen and calls him Victor. Yeah. Oh, and then looks at his mouth immediately which like yeah. fair he's got a lot of mouth to look at but he looked <laughs> fair. just saying i'm just saying on, on a more serious note though to talk about like just getting whacked over the head a little a few too many times they do have victor bring up unfairness again you know, like, why do you deserve a second chance kind of thing? And it's just, it's too much. Like we already know, like this has been brought up multiple, multiple times by now. And the more it gets brought up and the more direct it is, the less engaged I feel like the less I feel like I'm using my brain. I don't really like to have things spoon fed to me. uh, So it was just a little much. Yeah, like the Meg Sam stuff was fine. It was just like yeah. Henriksen stuff, and then I don't know. There's just something that we talked about earlier, but the two girl ghosts. I'm just over it. Yeah, no, it's just boring. Yeah, at least it wasn't two boy ghosts. That, <laughs> that would have been like, oh my lord, I get it. Yeah. Oh, Sarah. At least she didn't go there. Miss Sarah. <laughs> So Sam and Dean go to the library to protect Bobby. Uh-huh. And that's when Meg like goes to rip his heart out and they like complete the spell. Yeah, it was okay. It was a little anticlimactic. I'm not really sure how I feel about the witnesses as a villain. I think the concept's mm-hmm. kind of neat, but execution, maybe not so much. Yeah, it's weird because like I didn't love it and I didn't hate it. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of where my issue is. Right. Yeah. But it wasn't like as bleh as some of the episodes in like season two or three that were bleh. It was like a season four bleh, which is still like, huh, but it's like, eh. Oh, the episode as a whole did really interesting things. It's just the villain. I think I like what it sets up more than I like what it is in this episode. So yeah. I think that's why I hand wave it a little is because like it really like is the prelude to a lot of things later in the season. Yeah, it's like they're not the point of the episode. They're like the vehicle by which we get to the final scene, which feels more like the point of the episode. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. And like that final scene um, or those final couple of scenes are so, so good that I feel like I almost don't care that I don't care <laughs> that much about the witnesses. You know what I mean? And especially like with the pacing and how they organize the episode, I feel like there are a lot of strengths. Right. It goes by really quickly, despite like, you know, Meg or whatever. So yeah, it's not like bad, you know? Mm-hmm. I do like the seamless teamwork here where Bobby's about to die via Meg and he drops the bowl and Dean does a quick like Hail Mary dive yeah. for the bowl and throws it into the fire. Now that was pretty so cool. Love dramatic moment. And they had Sam crushed up against the wall with like the desk. Very fun. They really like to telekinesis Sam. He could telekinesis a lot. I mean, to be fair, they all kind of do. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Like, 
I don't know. I, I kind of like it because otherwise they just have ghosts kicking and punching all the time, which <laughs> while it's funny is like, why, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about this fucking kitchen scene. I fucking love this kitchen scene. What oh. an iconic scene. Mm-hmm. I really like it. It like just the way that Dean wakes up too. And like you can see Cass far away in the kitchen as Dean like kind of slinks up to him. It's a little sensual. It like kind of reminds me of like something like this literally scene feels like something like Chuck Palahniuk would write. It's very like Fight Club, very like kind of like sexy in a dream thing, very like Blue Velvet. It's a moment. Right? See, I told you, like, we're crazy, but we're not that crazy. Like, yeah, they started it. (laughs) Yeah, like, well, here's the thing. They literally, Cass is visiting him in his dreams so they can have, like, a little pissing contest. Yeah. Right. Very homoerotic. No, totally. And that's not even to speak of, like, the staring at each other that is always happening Mm. like like he gets you thought he got close to dean's face in the last episode (laughs) let's talk about the kitchen scene that's what i was going to say like there's less than a foot between them and then he gets closer (gasps) yes yeah and then the camera is close like tight on their faces too so it feels like they're even closer together than they actually are which part of that is to make us like nervous and uncomfortable but like it also makes us feel like they're about to kiss (laughs) like I don't know like I know that getting like right up in someone's face when you're gonna fight is a thing but I let me tell you something I've gotten into some kerfuffles and um, I've never gotten close enough to someone's face to kiss them. And they yeah. are always that close to each other's face. Always. Okay. Like that. It's a lot. <laughs> also, there's something like intimate about being in someone else's dream. Like even yes. if the topic is just, hey, watch out for these seals. Like it is so intimate and personal, let alone how they're standing. <laughs> Well, I mean, the other thing is the purpose behind him visiting Dean's dream actually wasn't to chew him out. It was to congratulate him. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just like, there's so much happening in my brain. (laughs) Well, and you can kind of tell that through Cass's, well, besides the dialogue, like Cass's body language too. Like Mm -hmm. it's so unaggressive. Like he has this like, he's like almost sitting on the counter with like yeah, his arms behind him like yeah he's like leaning on it i can't recall if he has his ankles crossed or not but it's casual enough that i think i remember that his ankles were crossed like he's mm-hmm. extraordinarily unbothered how about the actual content of their conversation jordan oh yeah so we find out a little bit about um that lilith released the witness- witnesses which i think we kind of knew and we get the seal stuff. Of course, there has to be. I'm surprised they went with 66 cells and not 666. <laughs> um, and then is this the first time they actually mentioned Lucifer's name? Yes, as a concrete um, thing <laughs> that is going to happen. The other time they talked about Lucifer was in Sin City in season three. And that's why Dean makes the comment about Lucifer being like demon Sunday school kind of thing. Like Lucifer isn't supposed to be real. It's just sort of like, that's what demons believe in kind of, as opposed to God or whatever. 
I hope that when Lucifer inevitably escapes and these seals get released, that he's literally just Lil Nicky. Like, he's just Adam <laughs> Sandler. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> I would quit. <laughs> Launching myself into the stratosphere. <laughs> oh, and he'll have to have a human body. I hope he looks like Chris Angel. Like, I just want them to go for it. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> oh, but besides, like, the plot... Well, I mean, it's all plot relevant, but besides, like, the actual big bad that we're setting up, it's kind of interesting here. So before it was, like, Cass can't be an angel, like, angels aren't real, and now it Mm -hmm. seems like instead of being, like, you're not an angel, it's like, well, if you are an angel, why aren't you helping people? Mm -hmm. Like, why didn't you help us, you know? Right. I just think the journey with Dean is kind of interesting here. Yeah, I do, I do like, um, you know, like I said, they sort of bonk us a few too many times for my liking (laughs) about like the unfairness and like you know god i don't like the idea of god being real because then like why is such so much bad shit happening to people all the time Mm -hmm. but i do love that it culminates in this moment of dean attempting to hold god accountable right now Uh like through talking to Cass about this the way he's trying to reckon with the fact that he's not dead um Mm -hmm. through this is so interesting and and he's still like clearly like really not okay with the whole thing but i think just at least having this reason like okay well you're supposed to be stopping the apocalypse it's it does seem to level him out a bit. No, absolutely. What did you think of some of the stuff that Cass had to say about like angels and what have you? I find that shit very compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about like how angels have died. It kind of makes me because I'm like to what? Because I know they weren't dying to those like witnesses. Right. I think the implication is maybe like demons or something, like Lilith's minions. I like how we find out in the second episode that angels are dying because in the first episode it's all about like how terrifying angels are right um, yeah and how we should be afraid of them so then when we find out at the very end of this that they're dying it's like well what the fuck could even be doing that right right it's like um it does increase the stakes for us Mm -hmm. but it also gives us the sense that they are not invulnerable which Mm -hmm. is almost comforting like given how insane Cass is in this fucking scene (laughs) (laughs) they're like okay well at least at least we know they can be killed exactly I just oh his dialogue is just so good here I'm not here to perch on your shoulder. (laughs) I fucking love him. When he's like, read the Bible. I'm like, he's so bitchy and I'm obsessed with him. (laughs) I love that he's sassy from day one. Yeah, like in his first episode, he's very like curious and like honestly pretty nice to Dean for like a second but, like, in this episode, it like, he's, like, nice until he's not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then he's just, he's just a bitch. And, like, <laughs> I know I just keep saying that over and over again. But, like, he is. And, like, good for him. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, you know, someone's got to pick up the slack. Uh, like, Bella was very bitchy. And season three, Ruby was very bitchy mm-hmm. and we don't have Bella anymore we don't have Hendrickson also very bitchy 
And Ruby this season is a lot more mellow. We needed someone to step in and fill that role. And we have that. Just like he'll be filling Deed's hole. Wow! Wow! Okay, wow! (laughs) Right! Wow! Okay. (laughs) I regret everything. There you have it, people. Wow. I mean, who could blame him after this scene, though? Getting, like, an inch away from someone's nose and going, you should show me some respect. Like, okay. (laughs) I'm, like, extremely unapologetically horny about this scene. (laughs) This scene is unapologetically horny. No, like, exactly. That's what I'm saying about this show sometimes. I'm like, literally, it's not my fault. They fucking wrote it that way. Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to live my fucking life. Mm -hmm. And Sarah Gamble was like, what if I made you really horny about a middle-aged white guy? Oh, goodness. Leave me alone, Miss Gamble. (laughs) I think there is that tiny little scene at the end where Sam is like awake and Dean wakes up and, you know, it's just more of the like, so you're really fine with God being alive. And then Dean's like, well, does that mean you believe in the devil? Dun, dun, dun. Because he's not done processing all of that stuff from his little dream rendezvous. But that's that's the whole episode, yeah. I think. Yeah. Unless you guys had anything else to to talk about. No, I think Mm-mm. that sums it up pretty well. Sick. Okay. Well, that being the case, would you like to hear about the fanfic? Let's do it. Nice. Today's fic is called Where Everybody Knows by Rupert Gaze. And the summary is, when the surviving angel tasked with pulling Dean from hell succeeds too late, a demonic Dean Winchester and weakened Castiel claw their way back to Earth. Dean's determined to stop the apocalypse for some grandiose scale petty revenge, if nothing else. And Castiel is determined to follow Dean no matter what path that may put him on. Mm-hmm. Right? I love the idea of playing with Demon Dean here because if we recall, Ruby did tell Dean that the way a demon is made is by having their soul tortured until they forget about their humanity in hell. So, like, I just love the idea that, well, what if he wasn't saved in time to prevent something like that from happening? Also, I just, demon angel romance, I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, demon is such an interesting concept to have, especially as like the protagonist of the show. Would have been fun. This one is rated E. The ship is Destiel. The other character involved is Sam. Additional tags include demon deed Winchester, angel slash demon relationship, AU canon divergence, season slash series four, Castiel's angelic grace, Unhealthy relationships, probably not as unhealthy as it could be, but like, yikes, dude. (laughs) This was written last summer and has five chapters. It's 18,687 words and has around 3,000 hits. Um, So relatively not as well known, but does have some traction. Definitely check it out. I have this one bookmarked because I thought it was really cool. Like I said, I love angel slash demon stuff. You can't get more star-crossed and toxic than that. Uh, we love a mess. And yeah, 
It's so good. It is. Supernatural's good omens. Truly. <laughs> Don't even get me started on good omens. <laughs> well, I think that's time to uh, rate the episode. I think so. I think it's time. Okay. Okay. I got this. Okay. So this episode, I think it set itself up really well. Though I like the idea of the witnesses, they weren't like my favorite in execution. Some of the themes we were really head over the head with, but these are pretty minor complaints. Overall, it told a really interesting story. We had some really interesting character development here. And um, I really liked the beginning and ending of this episode. So I give it 4.5 out of 5 panic rooms. Mm. Hell yeah. What about you, Allie? Yeah, I really liked it. I think it was a really good setup. Uh, Pacing was great overall. It was not a bad episode by any means. I just also think it like wasn't peak supernatural. So I'm also going to give it a 4.5, give it a nice A minus. 4.5 last minute bowl dives. Hell yeah. What about you, Jasper? I totally agree with both y'all. I don't like being spoon-fed stuff, but I think the way it all culminated towards the end was a lot more subtle than maybe some of the middle parts would indicate. Again, not super into the witnesses, maybe just on account of, you know, Meg monologuing and the twins and just other stuff going on. But it's a really, like, well-paced, interesting episode that ended with my favorite guy, Cass. So yeah, that's also going to be a 4.5. 4.5 sexually charged dream rendezvous. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. Thank you. So Jordan, what do you think will happen next? Jordan? Dang it. I forgot I was muted. Sorry. <laughs> I'm coughing and hacking all night, so I keep muting myself. So... We all know about the looming threat of Lucifer now. We know about the seals. I'm thinking that Ruby is manipulating Sam to break the seals, but Sam thinking he um, is... Let me see if this makes sense. Okay, so there's seals. Dean is not going to want the seals broken, and Ruby is going to try and manipulate Sam into breaking the seals. I have a feeling that some of the seals are going to be demons, possibly even Lilith, maybe. (laughs) I think we're just really leading up to something between Dean and Sam here. It really feels like Ruby and Cass feel like two commanders of different sides of an army. (laughs) So I think Cass is going to want to try and stop Dean from killing Lilith. No, opposite. (laughs) Cass is going to want to try and stop Dean. Oh my God. Words. (laughs) Okay, final try. Cass is goal in this. Dean's purpose is Cass wants Dean to stop Sam, I think, from killing Lilith. Because I think if Sam kills Lilith, that's going to bring Lucifer upon the earth. And that's what this whole season is going to be about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, He's trying mm-hmm. not to get Lucifer on earth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> trying to think if there's any other thing that... I think that's enough for now. I'll keep any other thoughts for now. Okay, okay, okay. I don't think we'll see the witnesses again, though. So yeah, that's it. Well, I can't wait to see it. I hope all of your dreams come true. That's a very scary thing with Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. 
Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar. And special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Lawrence, Kansas. Bye. Bye. Bye.